0: Hello, this is Women of the Hour, and this is Lena Dunham. I'm here with Lola Pellegrino, G-Y-N-N-P. That means Gynecological Nurse Practitioner, and you've never met one quite like this. Hi, Lola. Hey. (laughs) So, what drew you to this profession?
1: I have always been one of those people who, you know how blind people see the world as by touch or by um, hearing. I do everything with my vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Everything has happened down there. So I've had an abortion. I've had chlamydia. I've had like all these things. And so it was sort of at least my career choice at least started because I just wanted to find out what was going on with myself. And then over time, I talked to other people about it and I realized I could just talk about it forever and it was infinitely interesting to me. And it is like a lot of hanging out and talking to people. So I went to Yale in an accelerated program three years that basically takes people like me who either had minimal science or no science background and like pushes them through school a master's in three years.
0: Was part of that looking in the vaginas of people that you didn't know was that part of the accelerated program? Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. I was also a standardized patient beforehand.
0: Oh, my God. That's so fascinating. That's when you go in and you kind of like feign a bunch of symptoms and then have to be diagnosed. Yes. Were you a standardized gynecological patient? I
1: was a stunt vag, is what I call myself.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Do you actually have to reveal your vag when you're a standardized patient? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. It's part of teaching people.
0: That's, like, my dream job.
1: <laughs> it was really great. The only stressful part is when people, like, I had a med student sweat on me. He was so nervous.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So you, like, sweat on your n- naked yeah. legs. Yeah.
1: I mean, and I, you know... He was really, really, really stressed, and I felt bad. But that's the whole point is, like, I'm there, so you sweat on me, and we talk about it, and we figure out how to get get through an exam together. And then you don't do that to people who are going to be more vulnerable or more sensitive to it. That's so interesting. So now,
0: for anyone who's ever looked at my Instagram, watched my show, read my book, or been in a room with me, they know I'm obsessed with vaginas, particularly my own. But I had some general questions That I have, but that I also hear over and over that I wanted to pose to you. All right, let's do this. Why do women's health issues go undiagnosed for so long? Just for personal context, I was fairly sick with endometriosis for 10 years before anyone was able to give it a name and two more before anybody was able to perform a surgery and be helpful to me. What do you think are the blockades that keep women's reproductive health issues
1: from being diagnosed? Um, There's a lot of reasons. There's like this baseline expectation that people's, especially young people, their pain doesn't mean anything and they're supposed to have it at least a little bit.
0: Like the idea that a period is painful and that's just part of what you have to deal with to continue life as a woman.
1: Exactly. So that's the first thing is just people accept that being in a lot of pain that interferes with like your life going to school going to work is normal I think there's a lot of secrecy around it um and then there's delays to diagnosis like on our side where let's say somebody comes in they're like my period hurts it really sucks I bleed a lot and then we put you on birth control or you know do something that kind of works for everybody but not everybody and then six months go by it doesn't get better and there there's six months of a year so it's frustrating frustrating for everybody, which is why I'm glad we're having this rap sesh.
0: <laughs> Me too. Well, now my next question, can you talk a little bit about the hormonal balance of a woman and what she can do to promote a healthy hormone balance in herself?
1: You're going to absolutely hate this answer. Yeah. But it's all the shit that we tell you to do anyway, so... Reduce your stress levels, exercise. It
0: does seem like whenever you Google it on the internet, there's some women who are like, if you take birth control, you're destroying your body. And then other people who are like, birth control is the way you keep yourself sane. And other people are like, you should put essential oils in your underpants. Not that I'm one of those people.
1: That is totally what's going on. So it's hard from a provider standpoint because... When somebody comes in and they don't want to be on birth control because they think it poisons them or prevents them from having kids, um, which neither it doesn't do either of those things. If anything, it can preserve your fertility. It's really hard not to be like, you're wrong, you yeah. know, uh, because I really respect people and yeah. I respect what what they've learned and how they've learned it. So, yeah, I mean, for th- I think sort of the approach that I have and maybe it's... Good approach to anything like this is get all the information. Um, If you need help figuring out like how to evaluate it, how to weigh it, talk to the people that you trust. Talk to like a medical provider or your friend or your mom and get a lot of opinions and then figure out what's best for you. There's a best thing for everybody.
0: Now, my next question is, this is probably a hard one, but what is in your mind the single most important step a woman can take to protect her reproductive health?
1: Pay attention to your body. Learn what's normal for you. And if that means if you feel strong enough to like touch your body or there's the classic spec woman with the speculum in a mirror, you know, look at self-exam stuff. Um, that is the best thing you can do because then you can notice when it changes. And if that change is dif- like something that is suspicious or worries you, you'll know that you need to go.
0: And then you can have early detection on things that might otherwise be really dangerous.
1: Absolutely. Um, I have a friend who's 29, well-educated, loves sex, is awesome and hilarious who went to the ER over the summer because she found her cervix.
0: So she basically felt her cervix and thought like something's very wrong. Yeah.
1: And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the cervix can feel like it looks like a shiny donut and it's about the size of your fist. And sometimes it can be as soft as your lips and other times in, in your cycle. It can be as hard as your nose. And so I think she said it was very firm. And so she found like this firm Basically, like little donut in her vagina that she had never noticed before. And she freaked the fuck out because what the hell is that? It's supposed to be like smushy and soft and warm in there.
0: I once went to the gynecologist. This was like five years ago during a crazy New York heat wave. And I'd been having sex with someone I probably shouldn't. And my vagina just felt really weird. And I went to a gynecologist and I was like, well, this is the moment where it turns out I have like nine kinds of the clap and my luck is over. And despite using protection, my I'm just going to have to go back to my family and hang my head in shame and hide for the rest of the year. And the doctor literally was like, I've had 10 women come in this week because it's so fucking hot. And they don't know what it feels like to just have like a hot vagina.
1: Yeah, it's really hot. Also, people definitely have higher rates of yeast infections and stuff like that. You got you sit in a bathing suit for too long. That is totally possible. I too. literally
0: sat in a bathing suit for two. I set, got went in the rain in shorts and then sat in them this summer and then got a UTI. Nina. I know. It was shocking. <laughs> An immaculately conceived shorts UTI. <laughs>
1: I just when you're saying having sex that you shouldn't be in your vagina felt weird that reminds me of something where like I've definitely had sex that was not well advised Mm -hmm. gone to the gynecologist immediately after just because I'm like something has to be something has to be happening yeah Um, and then you get the call and it's like not anything not a single thing.
0: I mean, I remember after I was sexually assaulted in college that the only way that I was able to think about it was being convinced that I had an STD. Yeah. And I'd gone to the doctor like three times, been tested. She kept saying everything was fine. But instead of acknowledging, like, I'm in pain because I was violated or I'm in pain, like, all I could think about was, like, All this would be better if I could just know definitively that I didn't have a sexually transmitted disease. But then I kept being told I didn't have a sexually transmitted disease, and I was unable to receive that information. And that was sort of a case of brain and body speaking to each other in a really kind of uh,
1: complicated but necessary way. It's totally common. Um... Sometimes when that's going on, I ask people, how would you feel if this test was normal? And people who kind of aren't in that zone usually say like, oh, I'd be be really relieved. I'd just go home and be like, thank God. But if people are like, I don't know, I would need to get another test. I would want to make sure that's something where you have to think about maybe your brain is also involved.
0: Now, why do you think there's so much fear around reproductive health and reproductive rights?
1: This is hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know I basically just asked you, like, to unlock the key to the universe, but I just want your opinion.
1: I wish there was, like, a Willy Wonka ride I could take you on where we, like, go through, like, the different rooms of why this is a mess. Something I'm always
0: looking for to share with people are action items, like whether it's call your senator or whether it's tweet or whether it's donate money to Planned Parenthood or whether it's just go to Planned Parenthood for your checkups to prove that it's necessary and to keep their numbers. I mean, what do you think are sort of, like, the actions that young women young people who care can take to kind of ensure that their children have the same rights that they currently are struggling to keep
1: everything you just said is really good and and I think the one I've been thinking about a lot lately is if you feel strong enough or you feel like you're in a position to do it like take take the awkward moment and go for it Family dinners where people are just kind of like pe- women use birth control because um they're slots. That's so basic, but
0: But it's deal. real and but people it's real. think it
1: like just like do it. Just be ruin the dinner. I'll raise a hand in the in like school or of class or anything and, and be annoying.
0: I might really want a t-shirt that says ruin the dinner. Just
1: ruin your dinner.
0: Ruin the fuck out of your family meal. <laughs> Eat
1: in your room, it's more delicious.
0: <laughs> okay, wait, last question for you. How can cis women make the health of trans women recognize that the health of trans women is also their problem and their their health is distinctly tied to our health and their rights are distinctly tied to our rights? And I know you've done a lot of work with trans youth, and so I was hoping you could
1: talk to us a little about that. Whew, so let's uh, just starting with basic facts, the first one I want to say is that half of trans people have to educate their providers about it. So you go in and the person knows nothing about your body and you need to educate your provider about your body before you even start having that conversation. Wow. That shouldn't be all on trans people. I think that's like a huge thing that cis people can do or people like along the gender spectrum is like, hey, we can talk about it, too. We can also be in situations where trans individuals aren't and start having that conversation. Um, another thing is if you are go to a gyno's office and you see that their intake form, it says male, female, and that's it. Be like, mm-hmm be annoying again just like be like what about like have a fill-in
0: are providers like Planned Parenthood getting educated in treating trans women and in treating trans men
1: big time it's really awesome um yeah I mean everybody reproductive justice involves everybody it involves people who want to have kids it involves people who don't want to have kids gender non-conforming people along the spectrum it's not just like it's not just women
0: I mean it involves men like my boyfriend just did a PSA for Planned Parenthood talking about the fact that it's a place where men can go. And so many people don't understand. They think it's like, you know, the Jimmy Choo store. And like, you can't go in if you're a boy and find a pair of shoes, which the Planned Parenthood is a place where everyone can go to have that part of their body served.
1: Yeah. Um, And for
0: so many people, their gynecological practitioner becomes their primary practitioner. That's the only doctor a lot of women go to.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we have to make sure that if that's somebody's only entry point to care or only access to care then like we're taking care of everything and everybody
0: yeah i mean i remember once seeing like a teen couple at the emergency room i was there for endo and she was there sobbing and holding her boyfriend and it became deeply apparent to me that she just had the worst uti ever and i was just thinking about the fact that like A UTI is, like, a pretty basic thing, and you should be able to make contact with your practitioner. But she didn't understand what was happening. Her boyfriend didn't understand what was happening, and they were sitting there acting like they were marching to their death. And I literally, like, I was on morphine, full disclosure, so I did not reach over and be like, Honey, you've got a UTI, and you just need to take some AZO, and they're going to get you antibiotics, and you're going to be fine. But I could see on her face the fear and the pain that came from not knowing... What was going on?
1: Yeah. I mean, that might have been her first encounter of, with a doctor that wasn't a pediatrician that she had to go to by herself. Oh, yeah. It's, and that was scary as hell. Um, when I was a standardized patient, uh, one of the final checkoffs for medical students was they would come in and we would do the clinical history together. So at the bottom of the list of the things I would have to check off that they did and made sure that they asked about, there was secret fear. So if they didn't somehow address the patient, which was me, like my secret fear, they would lose points. Wow! So, for instance, one uh, Of the fake visits was somebody comes in for vaginal bleeding and my secret fear is I'm having a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and I was always like oh how could somebody like blow that like how could they not want to address that and then you know I've been in positions where it's like oh yeah I already ran your pregnancy test and it was negative so we're not gonna have a conversation it's not enough blood to be a miscarriage like all these things and that person has like stayed up all night and googled vaginal bleeding and is like miscarriage miscarriage just like why she hasn't mentioned it yet. What if she doesn't know about it? All those things. And then I'm like, okay, well, we're done here, you know. And they're still thinking about it and thinking yeah. about it. I always think that I want to, like, when I have some time, cross-stitch. It's like a nice little cross-stitch planner that says, tell me what Google told you. I'm like, put it behind <laughs> my head. I want
0: to thank Lola Pellicino, gynecological nurse practitioner, and take her hands and say that we need more of you in the world.